Hello everyone, welcome to Hashtalk. I'm your host, Sankal Shangari, and friends call me Sunny. At Hashtalk, we intend to bring you the latest news, the narratives, and interviews with recognized change makers in the field of blockchain and related technologies. These creative personalities share how they are bringing about the change, what prompted them to do so, what are their future plans, their life experiences, and tips for all of us to become better at work as well as in this fast-paced life. So let's dive right in. Hey guys, uh, we have uh, Mrigank Pachnayak uh, from Merkel Science today, a young, energetic, uh, humble, down-to-earth guy. Uh, Merkel Science is one of Asia's leading blockchain analytics company, uh, helping you prevent any uh, illegal use of cryptocurrency by detecting any fraudulent transactions across the chains. Uh, working on Bitcoin, Ether, and ERC20 tokens at the moment, and 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 uh, starting to join many other blockchains pretty soon. Mrigan, um, congratulations on on the uh, new funding round. Yas, uh, Genovate, Lunex, Kinetic, uh, DCG, all brilliant names, all very big names, and and uh, you seem and you look uh, very young. Uh, so so really well done. So welcome on the sh- uh, show. Uh, good to have you here. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Ankal. I, I do look a little younger than I actually am, but yeah, thanks. That I guess that's a compliment as well. So, excellent, yeah, great, excellent. Great to be here. Yeah. So, 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 to tell us all about yourself. I, I think uh, first we want to know who is who is Mrigank, and and uh, where are you from, and how how have you landed in blockchain and and Merkel? Sure, sure. So. Uh, in, in brief, I'm originally from India and uh, I used to work for Bank of America there and had previously had a tech startup there as well, a medical technology startup to deliver medicines. And at that point in time, uh, the space was a little early and there were a lot of regulatory issues around it. So we got into some regulatory like loopholes and regulatory problems and shut it down. Uh, once that happened, um, that's when I kind of got into blockchain early 2015, 2016. Uh, basically, it was pure coincidence. Me and my previous co-founder were figuring out what to do. And uh, we attended a few blockchain events and somebody asked us to build them a blockchain. I started reading about it, but then wanted to take up a job. So I cold emailed cryptocurrency exchanges across the world. I uh, Luno a NASPERS-backed crypto exchange based in Singapore and London. They read my email and replied. And luckily that worked out. And then I worked for them in Singapore for two years. And then eventually ended up starting Merkle Science. So at Luno, I was responsible for uh, business expansion across Southeast Asia. So that those were two things basically. Maintaining, building relationships with banks and regulators. And helping acquire more customers for Luno in the Southeast Asian region. So um, when I was at Luno, I realized that one of the biggest pain points cryptocurrency companies have is uh, how do they detect whether the cryptocurrency they're receiving is safe or not, is not from a ransomware source, not from a criminal and not from like a hacker. So then I met my co-founder Nirmal at EF and he worked as a fraud data scientist at PayPal. So I mean... It was very obvious to us that blockchain monitoring or what we're doing right now is the perfect idea to pursue. Awesome. Awesome. I, I, I want to take a step back and 
uh, I always ask my my uh, friends, my my podcast uh, uh, companions, what was the biggest learning from the failure of your medical tech company, or 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 or, or even while working at UNOX, what what was the biggest uh, learning? Right. So, um, I mean, at the medtech startup, one of the biggest mistakes we made was not establishing strong regulatory relationships from the beginning. Just like in cryptocurrencies, laws are vague, but typically you should adopt a safer stance and build a very strong relationship with regulators. Yeah. We wanted to grow first and then build it, which was why we failed. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, at Luno... I actually learned a lot. So Luno particularly has very good company culture. So how building a strong company culture is important. And um, uh, although they're a tech startup, they focused a lot on hiring very good managers across the team. So that helped them build a very um, amenable work culture for one and all. So these were two very important learnings from Luno, I'd say, about scaling a company as and then what was that culture that excited you? So, um, I think they were very employee friendly and it was always um, like about how do you help the employee grow more and how do you match, align the company's goals to the employee's goals rather than pushing the employee to or squeezing the employee to achieve the company's goals. So, and uh, they were also very respectful of individual styles. Like if they realize somebody is better at one thing than the other, then they let you pursue your strengths and grow in that respect as well. So everybody is net more productive than they would be yeah. that way. Amazing. So so two learnings already, guys. Uh, we have we have uh, we should be regulatory friendly, whatever we are doing, because uh, because you cannot work against the system. In the in the end, the system wins. And second, uh, uh, work towards the strengths of your employees. Uh, uh, and and be employee friendly, uh, which which all of us thrive to be. Some can, some cannot. Uh, so so amazing. Uh, tell us tell us about Merkel Science. What is what is Merkel, and and what are you trying to achieve here? Sure. So uh, I think you put it pretty well. So Merkel Science is a blockchain monitoring solution that helps uh, law enforcement agencies, banks, and blockchain companies detect and prevent illegal use of cryptocurrencies. So, simply put, um, whenever an entity receives Bitcoin, Ethereum or any other cryptocurrencies, they don't know whether where it's coming from. So, we help them detect whether it's from a shady source or a reliable source. That's what we do. And uh, in terms of like the bigger picture, so like I mentioned just before this in our casual chat, so... Um, we believe that regulation will be key to cryptocurrencies. It, 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 cryptocurrency companies will be like fintech companies where they're tightly regulated all across the world. And that brings up a unique set of challenges as well as opportunities. And we intend to tap onto all of that. So this is happening globally like with the FATF guidelines, the FATF travel rules, various countries issuing licenses to crypto exchanges. So, um, Merkel Science wants to build trust between banks, regulators, and blockchain companies. Amazing. I mean, that, that's the mission. Yeah. Yes. That's, okay. That's great. Great. And and how, how does it all work? Do you uh, analyze each and every transaction? You have a database stored somewhere. 
the new transactions, how do you analyze them? How does it all work? Right. So, um, first what we do is we build a lot of in-house uh, technology infrastructure to traverse the blockchain, to keep looking at blockchain transactions. Um, you might think it's easy because you look at like blockchain.info and you can see all your transactions. But to do it at scale, you need your own in-house infrastructure built out. Yeah. And then we label entities on the blockchain. So label bad actors as well as good actors. And once we, we have an initial data set, so there's a team that in our inside Merkle Science that keeps collecting this data every day. And then there's a few data scientists on top who build out heuristics to expand this data set. So if you know 10 exchange addresses, then build out some rules and heuristics to find out all the other addresses that belong to that exchange. And similarly for ransomware, the OFAC list and the rate at which bad actors are growing is very fast. So uh, keeping up with this is quite important. And then the third layer we're building is just suspicious transactions reporting. So which is even if an entity is not flagged in our database, if they behave suspiciously, our models will help you flag them out. And, and uh... You know, all these exchanges, all these companies, they have they have different addresses for different blockchains, uh, multiple addresses for, for a single blockchain sometimes. Uh, and then they constantly keep on changing because of uh, the security side of things. How do you keep a track? Obviously, they're not obliged to tell you anything. Uh, uh, you know, how, how do you keep a record of everything, what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis? Right. So, um, I mean, a large part of that is the data operations team's job, where uh, we build out internal tools to scrape the internet, look at various sources. Uh, we're also part of a lot of uh, internal groups with exchanges where they publish blacklists. So, um, often these, they're open with sharing to the public because they want everybody to be alerted of those guys. So, that's how we keep track of them. And in terms of, obviously, the increasing number of blockchains and increasing number of pri privacy transactions, well, um, it's not possible for any one company to get 100% of it, which is why we also collaborate with other third-party vendors who give us some amount of data. We're incorporating a piece of technology which my co-founder had like used back in PayPal. So that's called uh, device fingerprinting. So we're trying to collect metadata in terms of the devices people use or um, the browsers they're using and combine that with blockchain addresses so that we can have more uh, granularity into privacy coins or anonymization techniques as such. Great. So you defined your uh, mission earlier on uh, uh, helping the law enforcement and banks and bridging that gap with the blockchain companies uh, via trust, uh, trust of these transactions. Uh, what, what, what's the long-term strategy here? Where, where are you taking Merkle Science from here? Right. So, um, I mean, in the shorter run, yes, the compliance field is very important. And like I mentioned, the entire financial services industry is coming onto this. So making sure we build products that meet their needs uh, and meet their requirements are important. In, in the larger run, any company that needs to use blockchain data would come to us, be it banks, regulators, cryptocurrency companies. 
or even say developers who or data scientists who might want to build out don't want to build our infrastructure so we would lease out our infrastructure just like aws does it for um, like companies now on the cloud yeah yeah great so so is there a white label solution available today is that infrastructure available for leasing today uh, so today i mean uh, we like again we're like pretty like we're a startup right now so yeah. we don't want to focus on too many things and do it badly so for now we just have a uh, product our merkel sciences block monitor which is for the compliance use case it's for law enforcement to detect where illegal crypto is going and for blockchain companies to make sure their funds are not from illicit sources but going ahead that's the bigger picture as well great great good good um uh you've seen the mayhem in uh, blockchain overnight uh, what happened to the prices i'm sure uh, almost 20% down uh, across the board uh, what's what's your take uh, why why is this happening uh, suddenly uh, although although uh, uh, you know the crypto community should not be uh, so so depressed about it uh, things like this are volatile and and we should always uh, take with a pinch of salt but but what's your take on on this price movement yeah i i actually saw this uh, today morning and uh, it's all well and amusing and there's a thousand different ways i could speculate about why the price dropped stating some scalability architecture to some exchange shutting down to uh, everything else but i think this is very common in the bitcoin ecosystem the price shoots up and goes down yeah and um like i uh, the primary I, if because there's been steady growth in the last few months yeah this is probably a mild correction so uh, and like these i would say the volatility right now is still a lot less than earlier on in the year so um i mean i i wouldn't want to speculate but anything that goes up without reason would eventually adjust and come down and then go up again overall the baseline that the bitcoin price reaches keeps going up and up because there as there's more and more adoption in the world and do you do you really think that uh, over the last year or so there has been a growth in the crypto community uh, are we are we adding new crypto guys uh, apart from the institutions that everyone is talking about um well i would say that uh, there there was like the boom just like a year and a half ago with the price going to 20000 where uh, there were a ton of ico projects a lot of hype but then there was a huge correction where there were a lot of people leaving a lot of projects dying out but i'd say now is when we're seeing like the more solid growth coming on like uh, examples would be bap coming out countries regulating cryptocurrency so yes there's definitely a net positive in terms of the cryptocurrency community growing and i like i like that net positive yeah yes that that is a fact and this this net positive uh this time is real right. it's not driven by icos it's not driven by any fake volumes is exactly. uh, i mean like yes there are fake volumes across the board as yeah. as uh, <laughs> for the recent report and then uh, if you see the number of addresses etc uh, they are they're obviously growing uh, uh, constantly exactly uh, and uh, right now we're seeing more of the institutional growth the slower but more stable growth phase of cryptocurrencies as such yeah yeah i think i think you you coming from uh, 
uh, blockchain analytics uh, angle, uh, blockchain monitoring angle, um, uh, uh, and and very well versed with the FATF and the travel regs that are coming. Uh, please tell us something about those. What is FATF? Everybody, I think, uh, is talking about it, but. 90% don't know, to be honest. Right. And, and, and what does it mean for the crypto industry? Right. So, um, I mean, uh, the FATF is basically an organization that puts out, that has member countries across the world. Almost every country is a member country of FATF. And uh, they give out AML guidelines. They came up with AML guidelines last, uh, in June this year. And this would need to be implemented by countries over the next few years, basically. And some countries may choose to adopt a more stricter version of it, which they call FATF++. And uh, there are several regulatory requirements for all virtual asset service providers. So virtual asset service providers would encompass most type of cryptocurrency companies, apart from maybe... DEXs or um, custody solutions that don't hold private keys. These are the two exclusions. But um, so they give out like anti-money laundering guidelines. Now, the reason this is important is that it in a way legitimizes cryptocurrency because rather than it being unclear about the regulatory stance, they, it's a net like they're pushing it forward. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Now, some aspects of it are um, controversial or maybe difficult to implement. So, one of them is the FATF travel rule. So, very simply put, when, like basically, whenever, say, a VASP, which is an exchange or any entity, is interacting with another entity or sending funds to another entity, there needs to be an exchange of uh, information like. Uh, in terms of um, for them doing a sanction, sanctions check on customer transfer of funds. So um, it's there's still a lot of discussion going around where we're keeping a close eye on it to um, figure out how this will be implemented. And there's a few like protocols that have come about. Like I think VASPnet is a non is one that's being talked about on how exchanges can communicate with each other. But uh, this may be refined going ahead as well. So we keep seeing a lot of instances where the travel rule might be refined or have um, like a more stringent way of en enforcing it or applying it. Great, great. Thank you, thank you. Uh, what, what, what are the other features uh, of Merkel that you are going to add or planning to add? What are the new products that, that, that are in the pipeline? Right. So um, adding more cryptocurrencies and improving our heuristics is definitely one of the short-term goals. So um, adding like stable coins is a big focus for us right now because most of the regulatory compliant crypto companies deal with a lot of stable coins. And then uh, FATF, the FATF travel rule brings about new opportunities. So that's in two ways. I mean, this is something we're looking at for the next year rather than the next three months. So one is if they, if different countries enforce the travel rule in different forms, then um, with enforcement, there would be people who try and exploit it as well. So we will use blockchain analytics to try and detect these cases, exploiting 
um, the equivalent of the FATF travel rule. Yeah. And secondly, it's still unclear the kind of communication protocols the industry uses for the travel rule. So we would try and integrate with such communication protocols or systems as and when like there's consensus among which will be the bigger ones uh, used for this. Great, great. And uh, you, you obviously interact with a lot of uh, regulators on a day-to-day basis and, and across Southeast Asia, I, I, I think. Um, who is your favorite regulator? Who, who is uh, more futuristic at the moment? Uh, they, uh, I think they're all uh, very good. And at least the ones who've spoken uh, to us have always been very uh, technology forward. Like we are a fairly young startup, but they're all very encouraging and helpful in terms of inviting us, speaking to us to understand what we do. And um, I would say some of the more um, progressive ones are obviously the ones who regulated cryptocurrencies. And uh, I I don't think it would be fair to point out like a favorite among them as well. Ah, all right. Yeah. All right. Uh, good answer. I think... Uh, uh, you have to be diplomatic at some point, but uh, but uh, I, uh, I I agree with you. I think uh, yesterday we had we had uh, uh, another uh, you know, fellow blockchainer, uh, and and uh, he he was quite even bullish about the Indian uh, regulators who he recently met, uh, uh, and and I have personally spoken to almost uh, all the regulators across Asia, and I think I think. All of them are forward-looking. Uh, obviously, they have their own uh, uh, limitations at times and controls at times and governance yeah. and politics, uh, everything. Exactly. Like they all have a different working style. Yeah. So I don't think it's an apples to uh, apples comparison. So. Fair, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. And, and you, you've been monitoring uh, uh, Bitcoins uh, uh, for, for a long, long time, uh, the transactions, the blockchain. Um, what, what's, what's the strangest... Or the what's the scariest uh, thing that you have seen so far uh, with regards to transactions, or something that just stands out? Um, so on the on the Bitcoin network, I guess or even Ethereum as such. Mm-hmm. So I I do see a phenomenon where like uh, protocols like Lightning Network or the use of mixers yeah. is increasing over the years. So, again, like a mixer may not always be used for crime. It is also a privacy tool in some ways. Yeah. So, I'd say that like over time, blockchain analytics or surveillance on the blockchain would only become more and more challenging because there'd be more amounts of technology to try and hide all of this. Yeah. And uh, uh, t- t- tell us about the mixers. Tell us what is a blockchain mixer? Uh, tell us, uh, you know, I, uh, how, how do they uh, uh, sometimes lead to double spend, etc. Right. So, uh, there's, uh, I think there's multiple types of mixers, but very simply put, uh, a mixer is something that helps obfuscate your source of funds. Yeah. And uh, the Lightning Network is something that's being used for off-chain transactions. So, that's that's been gaining a lot of traction. Now, Lightning... Of course, there's a privacy element to it, but what's more important is it's essential for uh, for it to succeed in order for Bitcoin to scale. So for cryptocurrencies to succeed, for example, like even for Ethereum, I think zero knowledge or ZK snarks are being experimented as yeah. like a solution for scaling. 
So for cryptocurrencies to succeed, it might be essential that a lot of these things end up gaining a lot of traction for them for them to be able to scale efficiently, like for Bitcoin and Ethereum to scale. So that is a little scary because then trackability or traceability of transactions would be a lot more uh, opaque than they are today. That's that's what I wanted to get to because uh, uh, for our listeners, uh, uh, Bitcoin Mixer or Lightning for that matter, uh, uh, it's it's they're, they're mixing uh, the UTXOs, the the outputs, and blending them and mixing them and uh, uh, giving out one single transaction so that anonymity stays, and uh, which which uh, uh, which basically does not allow companies like Merkel or anybody who's tracking to know the real UTXO source or the wallet from where it came. Um, in such a circumstance, how does Merkel? monitor such transactions uh, or, or do you just uh, white label the entire mixer as bad which is not right because most of them are actually good right so uh, I think for, for now at least when a transaction comes from one of these sources we label them as a mixer or we don't label them as bad uh-huh. that depends on the company and their compliance policy yeah and um uh, over time, and even if it comes from the Lightning Network, we will probably have a like. We will just label saying that it's coming from that source, and we leave it for the company to decide because this would vary based on their compliance policy and geography as well. And uh, over time, as more and more transactions go like off chain, so we're trying to incorporate uh, various pieces of technology um, which can help us gain some clarity there. Uh, one of them is device fingerprinting, which is used by fraud science companies across. And that typically that takes in some amounts of data, like uh, companies use it for security, where if you log in from a different phone, they give you an intimation. So uh, typically trying to combine that with blockchain data could enable better tracking. Great, great. Um, so, so obviously, obviously, as the as the this nascent industry grows, uh, uh, the data grows. Uh, uh, there will be bad actors, uh, but but generally, you know, human beings by nature are good. Right. Uh, it is just few bad apples that that spoil the entire thing. Uh, uh, and and obviously, the technology that you are using will continue to improve to monitor this. Uh, and and we will we will see. Uh, more and more of these bad actors being being fished out, but but definitely a service that you are providing is evergreen because technology continues to grow, bad actors continue to grow, the monitoring needs to grow, and and the circle continues. So 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 good on you on that. I think I think that's that's a, that's a great thing. Uh, let me let me ask you. Let, let's go back to Bitcoin as a, uh, we 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 recording this. Uh, uh, middle of the week and uh, the Bitcoin has crashed uh, almost 20% overnight. Uh, it's early morning here in Singapore. And and uh, what's your price prediction uh, vaguely uh, over the next 6 to 12 months? Are you are you bullish? Are you neutral or have no comments? Or well, short? Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I guess like um, I would say in the longer run, Bitcoin is going to go above like like 50,000. Uh-huh. Now, um, nobody knows, I mean, at least I have no way of predicting the time frame. Uh-huh. So I just always keep buying um, certain amounts of Bitcoin and holding them. I'm not an active trader as such. Okay. 
Great. So you're you're a hodler. Yeah. Any any other cryptocurrencies that you like? <laughs> um well uh, the space is like very broad uh-huh. so um I, i i occasionally also end up buying some cryptocurrencies i don't know much about but only very small amounts so i recommend you not to do that yeah <laughs> but uh i and i guess sticking with the top 5 doing your research and also accounting for the risk that the prices may drop substantially on any of them is important yeah yeah So Mer- Mer- Merkel definitely sounds like uh, you guys doing a great work which is which is that other company or another person that in, in the blockchain space that you really admire and appreciate um well uh, i guess like some of the larger exchanges so i do admire like guys uh, like Binance and Bitmex yeah so they both have their own way of going about it i think um uh bitmex is more financially focused like fi- uh, financial services has more of a financial services angle to it yeah and binance has a more uh, tech angle to it uh, i do admire how they're like although they're both big companies rather than just consolidating on their profits they're both focused on trying to build out an ecosystem yeah so this is uh, because they also understand that like they need to let like find more use cases of cryptocurrency more applications figure out scalability issues for them to continue uh, leading in the larger run as well yeah yeah so i do uh, i'd say like i think binance invests in a lot of protocols or um, like problems like technology problems and uh, bitmex tends to invest in a lot of fiat plays like other exchanges other providers uh, set up an ecosystem on that front as well and both these infrastructure plays i think are essential to like the cryptocurrency or the blockchain ecosystem absolutely i think both of them amazing companies yeah. uh, uh started as uh, totally two different uh verticals whereas whereas bitmex was all about bitcoin and building that horizontal layer um uh, cz and uh, uh, binance have always been the vertical layer building the entire altcoin trading right. thing uh and and at some point they will might converge uh, will or might i don't know uh, yeah. but uh, but uh, uh, i i think both have really uh, led this mass adoption uh, among the trader community at least and and now whatever they're doing i uh, you know uh, it's it's been a great ride definitely uh, two good companies that that you have chosen um and 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 you know talking of mass adoption uh, uh, we we still see that the biggest use case of blockchain is is speculation is gambling if you have to call it or or trading uh, 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 as as it is happening today what what and, and and the other use case that's popping up a little bit is the interest income side of defis and even centralized uh, lending what what is that use case in your opinion or what is that uh, tipping point which you think will lead to uh, another uh, wave of mass adoption of crypto right so uh, i think uh, the tipping point has it's not like one month where there will be a tipping point yeah it's a few number of years so i think the regulatory aspect of it is the tipping point when now we see a lot of the bigger players like the scale at which uh, things are operating now are very different from the scale 5 years ago yeah and that's primarily driven by regulation and 5 years later i guess um, 
there would be 10 times or maybe 100 times more scale on account of that. Yeah. So the tipping point, um, and yes, there are there are use cases, there are niche use cases like cross-border e-commerce, speculation, uh, some amount of payments, micro-payments. So, uh, so when I, store of value also is another one that you didn't mention, which I think is important yeah. because I used to work for Luno and they had presence in Africa as well. Yeah. So in geographies where currencies fluctuate a lot, cryptocurrency also serves as a good uh, store of value. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it starts with these niche use cases and then over time it pours into mainstream adoption. I'm, I'm not sure, man. We we all have lost 20% overnight. <laughs> so I don't know about my store yeah. of value right now. <laughs> Over time, like when the hypothesis is the volatility uh, decreases, uh, it yeah. gets distributed across more people that Absolutely. the big whales having most of it. Yeah. Then uh, that's when store of value would also uh, improve as a use case. And most technology has niche use cases and then are, goes into the mainstream eventually so that's what i think will happen with crypto as well amazing great uh, are you are you working with any uh, custodians or any um, you know, safety mechanisms uh, for the crypto or partnering with them uh, to provide a larger wholesome solution uh, yes so we do help custodians do aml checks on their funds mm-hmm. And uh, potentially this could be something we look at in the future where we partner with custody providers. At this point, we've not engaged in a full-blown partnership with anyone, but uh, that's definitely something we've been thinking about, partnering with even KYC providers to provide a full-blown solution. So we've been in talks with a few that like haven't been finalized, but hopefully soon we can make announcements about it. Great, great. Uh, 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 I know. I know. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. Uh, it would be not wise of me uh, to ask you uh, about uh, uh, life and philosophy, because because you have been uh, through a lot. Uh, uh, one one question I, I always ask, and and this is more for my personal learning and my listeners. I think they always appreciate. Um, what has life taught you, and what is your life philosophy? Uh, both at a personal level as well as at the work level. Okay, so uh, so I, I don't think I've been through a lot. I think there are a lot of other people who've been through a lot more than me. And um, it's um, I, I'd say one thing life has taught me is that like um, there's always a tomorrow when things will be different. And you shouldn't take like either a success or a failure like you shouldn't let successes go to your head or let like failures disappoint you too much because uh, in the larger scheme of things, you will only tackle bigger things like you will have much bigger failures going ahead. You will have much bigger successes going ahead. So um, just I guess that's important to remember and maintain like an equanimity throughout. Great, great. As a, you know, t- a team of about 15 people now, um, uh, what do you always uh, teach your employees? What What is your uh, leadership mantra? <laughs> so, uh, in um, I think in terms of leadership mantra, again, like one of the things we do try and do is figure out their style of working, what really excites them and help them get more of that. 
and also develop ownership into them. Like our principle is, uh, our employees should be telling us what needs to be done, yeah, rather than us telling them what they should do. And um, so that I think that helps a lot if, if they take a, that like in, inculcating a founder mindset in each employee helps yes. the company grow much faster. Definitely, I always tell my employees that that I want each one of you to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, that that would be a dream a goal for me and and a real success for me yeah that if because by the time you are an entrepreneur you would have already made this company a success exactly yeah i mean it it makes sense i mean we do want them to be world class leaders yeah in two years from now and um, you need to ask us what you want for it etc beautiful beautiful so um, mriganka i i allow you to ask me one last question before we wrap this up sure sure so um uh, i mean uh one of the questions i could ask is i know you've been through a lot of changes recently uh, lala world merged into cos so tell us like the story behind it what's what's happened yeah and uh, what are the future plans as well yeah yeah, uh, we 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 were I think talked a lot about uh, this thing uh, on our blogs on on the podcast as well. Uh, but but Lala World and Cost came together because both of them were were looking after uh, the community uh, to build the community where the community survives and community pushes the way forward. And secondly, we were always always focusing on mass adoption, which which never came in in the use cases that at least we were focusing on. So, so this this come together of the companies is great in the sense that we have both now. Uh, we have a great community, a thriving community, which is always keeping me on my toes. And then we have a great uh, user base, uh, which we can now leverage and expand on to other products. Uh, last four or five months, as you have seen, there have been a stream of uh, product news that have been releasing almost on a weekly basis. Uh, the, the, the floor is set. The flow is there. We've turned around uh, what we wanted to. And I think from here on, it's just growth, 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 uh, focusing on users, revenues and profits. We, we want to be a profitable company. We cannot play that non-profitable game. Uh, uh, second thing we realize, we are, we are not going to achieve this alone. This is this, this blockchain industry and life in general is about collaboration. You know, I need partners like you who are doing great job in blockchain analytics rather than me going out and building everything on my own. It's just not possible in today's world. You need to create your niche. Uh, you need to be creative in what you do and partner as much as you can. Uh, that's how I think modern uh, businesses are going to be built. And that is what COS is trying to achieve. Uh, users, revenue, profits and partnerships and collaboration and eventually mass adoption uh, of that cost ecosystem. Okay, great, great. Uh, good to hear. And yeah, I'm looking forward to see uh, because I think it's exciting time for all cryptocurrency companies. Yes. So looking forward to see COS's progress as well. Thank you. Thank you, Rigank. Uh, good to have you on the show. I really enjoy. Uh, 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 guys, uh, my listeners, I would, I would uh, really highly recommend that you get in touch with Rigank and Merkel Science because they're doing a wonderful job. All of us in this blockchain space, wherever we are, need such solutions before the government finds an excuse to bring us down. So, so please get in touch. 
happy to connect anybody who needs uh, and and thank you once again brigang yeah great thanks thanks for having me sankal it's uh, been great doing the podcast with you as well and uh, yeah i mean uh, it's uh, i look forward to uh, like cryptocurrency growing as well so yeah happy to get in touch with anyone who needs help great excellent thank you right thank you thank you Hold up.